Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and we are in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. The Berg, if you will, where it's Slowpoke Farms where they are growing oyster mushrooms at the moment. I have Kobe Ferris. He took me for a small tour to give me an idea of what's going on around here. Kobe, how you doing? I'm great, man. I appreciate you having me on, Alan. Dude, thank you. Uh, when Tyler was telling me a little bit about what you were doing, I was really excited about having you on because, I mean, this is the thing that I want the show not only to be about music, but just creatives in general and how creative is it that, uh, to my knowledge, I don't think there's anything else like this in the state of Mississippi. Not really. Uh, definitely not to this scale. So you, you will see some, some smaller mushroom farms around, uh, mostly selling uh, through farmer's markets and this and that. But when it comes to a large-scale operation like this, this is one of the only ones in the southeast overall. So, man, tell me a little bit about growing up, man. Where are you from? Petal. I'm from Petal, Mississippi, just right outside of Hattiesburg, uh, born and raised there. Always, you know, if you grow up in Petal, you're, you're when you get old enough to start driving around, you're gonna you're gonna come to Hattiesburg and hang out. That's where everything's going on. So yeah, I grew up in Petal, started hanging around Hattiesburg as soon as I was old enough to drive and get out here. Uh, once I started letting me into some some bars and clubs and stuff like that, hanging around downtown Hattiesburg. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Dollar Box or Benny's Boom Boom Room. Uh, I've heard stories and tales but not personally well they're unfortunately gone but that's where all the uh cool weird heady fun music would come come through so your halloween shows and new year shows and stuff like that and just Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a weird time you'd you'd do it downtown hattiesburg 99 percent of the time and benny's boom boom rumor dollar box so yeah bounce around there a good bit uh and then moved in like my mid-20s with my wife to to colorado spent about six years there and and moved back about a year ago well welcome back to mississippi brother thank you thank you good to be back well like just to back up just a second kobe is uh like 
while you were in high school in those developing years, what were you into? I played soccer. Uh, played soccer my whole life. Absolutely loved it. So uh, I was always into soccer, always into video games, skateboarding, reading, and soccer. Pretty much, pretty much what I would what do. What was you reading? Always fantasy? I, a good bit of fantasy, but uh, in high school, I actually got into a lot of nonfiction. So I would uh, get into the first thing, it would be like. Uh, biographies and autobiographies of artists that I'm into, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Anthony Kiedis, you know, oh, stuff like scar that. Scar tissue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great book. Uh, like, couldn't put it down when I was like 16, 17. Uh, so to read a lot of stuff like that. And what were you looking for? You were just really inspired by them and wanted another story? Yeah, I've always been into music ever since I was a little kid. Um, I remember... You know, just thinking a lot about the music that I would listen to and being very interested and wrapped up in whatever was going on on MTV or BET or VH1. You know, I always wanted to, if I wasn't watching cartoons, which was pretty regularly, I, I wanted to be be on there and see what the new music was coming out and always had a pretty pretty close connection and, and felt like the, the music I listened to was important to me, so... Man, I, I remember this is back when MTV played music mm -hmm. and just waking up early for school just to watch, you know, early yeah. MTV or even like as soon as we got home from the school bus, we were flipping on MTV just mm -hmm. to see that Taken Back Sunday make mm -hmm. damn short video to where he was going to wrap the mic around his neck. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever else, <laughs> yep, right? Yep. I mean, and that's, that's really how we stayed plugged in. I mean, I'm from a very small town, Kennedy, and so when internet came, we were about five years behind. Then people started talking about high speed, and I was like, dude, we got dial-up. What's going on? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what do you mean high yeah. speed? So, I mean, maybe same thing in pedal. It was just moving a little bit slower than everywhere right, else. Right, yeah. And, uh, man, yeah, it was MTV. What a, what a time. Well, I remember... <laughs> unrecognizable uh, now. <laughs> totally unrecognizable. Uh, I, I was I was looking, my wife and I, she, she just had a baby about a year ago, and we were looking uh, for some pictures of when we were younger trying to figure out you know who he looked like and I found this picture I can't remember if it was third or fourth grade but I remember uh, scar tissue was on MTV and uh, I made my mom sit there and wait she wanted to take a picture of me before I went to school and I was like well you gotta wait until the end of the song when the credits come up and it shows who the name of the song and the band name and the album that it's on and there's a uh, like me, I had my hair dyed totally blonde. Did you? Uh, that, that young? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally cool, totally cool mom. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I definitely did. Um, so I had my hair dyed sitting there in, in, in the pictures uh, of um, scar tissue, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. It was funny coming across that. I hadn't thought about that in a long time. But yeah, right on, dude. Yeah, they well, let me be as weird as I wanted to. Well, tell me, about, uh, tell me about your better half. How'd you meet her? I met her at uh, I met her at Glory Bound. Um, don't know if you've ever had euros from Glory Bound here in Hattiesburg. I have heard the stories. They're friend. good, man. That that's uh, that was a big hangout when we were younger. Um, so I met her at Glory Bound. We had had some classes together at Southern, uh, and I'd noticed her. I'd never really spoken with her, but I was like, I need to uh, I need to go introduce myself sometime. And uh, went to Glory Bound that night. I think there was a Southern game. 
I noticed her there, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna. Here it is. I'm gonna go introduce myself to her. She was with all her friends. I was like, I'm gonna give it some time. I sat up at the bar with a buddy of mine, and uh, there was one seat next to me on my left open at the bar, and all of her buddies left, and, and she came up there and sat next to me, and I clammed up. I didn't know what to say, so I just kept drinking my beer, talking to my buddy, and she actually struck up a conversation <laughs> with me, fortunately. Uh, so we started talking then and kind of kept in touch for a while, and um, one thing led to another. We, we started really seeing each other, getting pretty serious about it, and she had already had plans to move to Colorado, and so... Uh, okay. She, we got together, and she left maybe a month later and moved to Colorado. What and would I you study at Southern? Now, at Southern, I was studying business, business administration. Makes sense for mm-hmm. where you are now. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was doing business administration, minoring, and or kind of focusing on hospitality management. Uh, and there was a time where, you know, I thought that I was going to pursue beer as a career from that. And I did for a while. I worked at Southern Prohibition. Uh, when I moved out to Colorado with her, we worked at multiple breweries out there and um, fizzled out with it after a while. It's a lot of fun, but there was uh, uh, not not really much direction to take it unless you want to open your own brewery, which yeah. is the last thing in the world that I ever want to do. So Yeah, it's only so far you can mm-hmm. go, but shout out to SoPro, man, one of the finest breweries in the state. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I love those folks there. Like family almost to us hanging out there. Well, cool, man. And so you mentioned uh, she was interested in going to Colorado. And mm-hmm. You would follow suit with her. Uh, with so her invite, yes. What was what was out there? What was waiting on her? Uh, so what was waiting on her was a bunch of uh, dumb college buddies that we had a good time with. Uh, they had a space open for her in Denver. So she moved in with them. They were friends of hers and uh, let me kindly move in with them as well. And uh, spent a little time in Denver. Pace was too fast for us, though. I was about to ask, some, what was that pace like? Oh, man, it was, uh, it was something else, you know. You, you have, like, anxiety just getting in the car going to get some gas because you were probably going to be stuck in traffic for an hour. And uh, it was, there was probably snow on the ground in a world where I'd never seen snow pretty much before. So... A lot going on in Denver, and and, and it's a beautiful city. I, I absolutely love it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we got to where we would visit Denver regularly, but we we ended up. It was maybe two three months after we had moved there. We moved down to a place called Colorado Springs. Yes, about an hour and a half south of Denver, um, and the pace was slower. Uh, about forty minutes closer to the mountains too. So. You had the pace that we liked. You had proximity to like outdoor scene and mountains, maybe like 10 minutes from, from the middle of town. Uh, and then still had those kind of like a big city feel mixed with small town feel. So there's maybe a half million people that live in that town, but it's so spread out that you find your, your place where you hang, whether that's downtown or the west side, and you're going to run into the same people everywhere you go. I have heard tale of some of the greatest like festivals in that area. What are some of your favorite memories from that? So Meadowgrass is a really cool one that it pops up between Colorado Springs and Denver. Mm-hmm. And it is a 
sort of a grassroots thing. It's certainly not the biggest festival in Colorado, but it brings some really good names and it's a great mix of like family friendly and party going on at the same exact time. So Meadowgrass is a great festival. Um, Buddy of mine was telling me about it was like a coffin fest or something where they would, okay. they would raise coffins. That is in Manitou Springs, which is just next door to Colorado Springs, and it is an absolute madhouse during the coffin races <laughs> in Manitou. Uh, honestly, I would avoid it at all costs. It's so crazy. And it, it sounded like so much fun. Um, but, you know, I was working in breweries then, so right. if everyone else is going to the coffin races, I'm going to go serve some beer or brew some beer or something, you know, on that Saturday morning. Um, but it, it would bring just masses there, and it's so fun. That's, that's one of the cool things about Colorado is um, – a bunch of weirdos there. They're into weird stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's fun to me, you know. It also seems to me like it's one of those places where nobody's from there. No one is from Colorado. Uh, and the folks that are from Colorado are very proud of the fact that they're from Colorado. <laughs> but uh, no one's from Colorado. And, and, and that's fun because you're going you're gonna to meet your buddies from Texas and New York and California and Oregon and Alabama and, just and they're all everyone. looking for something different. Yes, absolutely, and and so you can bond with people on that. They're they're a thousand miles away from home, and uh, they may have grown up in a different part of the country than you, but they all sort of came to the same place seeking similar things. So that was fun. Uh, but oddly enough, the group of buddies that that we made there that we were closest to were from Tennessee, Mississippi, and Georgia. So uh, all us Southerners ended up kind of coming together. But um, we we uh, really bonded with them and, and a lot of other people. But our, our core group were, were a bunch of Southerners, oddly <laughs> yeah. enough, which is fun. There was another wild place um, festival there called Frozen Dead Guy Days. And it's in a really weird town called Nederland, Colorado, sort okay. of near Boulder. And um, the story, if I'm not making this up, is is like this this guy died and was uh, cryogenically frozen because he thought that like they may be able to bring him back to life or something. I, I could be stretching the tale a little bit, but the the premise is he's he's frozen. And um, those oddballs around there like pitched up a festival around this guy getting frozen. And every year wow. they have Frozen Dead Guy Day festivals and free festival at least when I was going and, and music and great food and frozen wet t-shirt contest and like bowling with frozen turkeys and just like just dumb fun stuff you know yeah. so frozen dead guy days is a fun one to look out for too very cool man would uh would mushrooms and what you do now would Colorado inform that well it did it did actually because uh when we moved to Colorado we started getting outdoors a lot more. I mean, it's some of the prettiest country uh, in the U.S., you know, so we'd go camping and hiking a lot. Uh, I noticed that there were, like, mycology groups and foraging groups that would get together and go out and uh, forage for mushrooms in, in the mountains there in the woods there. So you're looking at things like or you're looking for things like uh, morels, oyster mushrooms, puffballs. I don't know if lion man grows there. I think okay. it likes it a little bit warmer. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I, I, I never uh, came across any myself. Okay. 
um, puffballs, uh, and then tons and tons and tons of other ones that I don't even know of, you know, but, uh, I had a buddy that was in the forest service and at part of his job, he was in the mountains all the time. And he was great at, uh, saying, Hey, you can go pick wild strawberries here. You can go pick wild onions here. You can go in here and find uh, puffball mushrooms and morels. So, uh, his influence and some of those just like general interest for the foraging groups around there got me into doing it myself. Yeah. And it's just another another reason to get outside and go hiking. Was it kind of like an into the wild thing to where you had a book and you were making damn sure of what you had? Yeah, no, I certainly never ate anything that I picked. Um, I, I, I was such an amateur, but I, I did have a uh, book. I I'll probably not get the name correct, but it's um, it was like mushrooms of the Rocky Mountain region, and okay. it had uh, it was a field guide of mushrooms from I believe it was going to be New Mexico up to Wyoming, maybe Montana. So the whole Rocky. Yes, the whole Rocky Mountain region, and it it would give you everything you needed to know to identify mushrooms, and it had like a, a, a ruler on the back, and it said you need to, uh, before you pick something and eat it, you want to make sure you know what kind of tree it's close to when it rained last time, what the temperature is, what your elevation is, you know, so I had the tools available to to know what I was going to be eating, but I, you know, you want to be a 110% sure before you pick something up and pop it in your mouth. And I never was, you know, man, Tyler could not have connected us at a better time because like I've, man, I've recently started helping my friend at a pizzeria. And so like, sometimes we go into the lab Mm -hmm. and we've been experimenting with these different pizzas and sometimes maybe a bacon or a sausage or even a pepperoni. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't do it for me. And a lot of times when I go to the mushroom, that is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And also, like, when I'm looking into different mushrooms and just different warnings from different people, I don't know who I ought to trust. I'm just on the Internet, like, looking at different things. And they're telling me about, you want to make sure it's cooked to this degree, else so-and-so could happen. And right. Like, there's there's a lot of things I don't know about mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of... There's a lot of health factors. There's also a lot of unknown if you don't know what you're doing, just like what we were talking to, like Mm -hmm. into the wild kind of thing. Right, right. That's the wild thing about the mushrooms. Like you said, you know, well, they're edible ones and they're inedible ones. Obviously, we all know that. But most edible mushrooms have lookalikes that are inedible. And so you can't just... You can't just look and say, oh, that looks like a so-and-so mushroom that I can eat. Um, you need to you need to maybe uh, look at the gills to see what the gills look like on the underside. You may need to see what type of tree it's growing next to. You may need to take a spore print if you know what you're doing to get a spore print. So you may have um, mushrooms that look totally identical but one grows on or near this type of tree and one grows on or near this type of tree and that may be the only differentiating factor that can tell you whether you can take this thing home and put it in some butter and eat it or whether you should probably leave that there and so even you know someone like me that 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 knows things fairly well I still wouldn't eat anything that I find in the woods unless I'm I'm out there with uh, Hank, our production manager, 
or Lauren, our lab manager, um, because they they just know this stuff like the back of their hand. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you definitely want to connect with someone that that knows what they're talking about and who you can trust because there's yeah. there's just a lot of stuff that you don't want to touch out yeah, there. Yeah, and I, I didn't want to get off into the weeds, but like like since Tyler told me that, I mean, this is just kind of like where my mind is kind of been. Mm -hmm. I was like, I've been playing with mushrooms too. Yeah, yeah. You know, mainly portobellos, but like, you know, since like thinking about this, I was like, I wonder what all mushrooms would be on good on a pizza, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. we're talking gourmet. Yeah. But, uh, man, like, so what would, what would lead you back to Mississippi? My wife had a baby around a year ago. Uh, my family's still in Petal. Her family is in Columbia and it took no time at all once we realized she was pregnant to realize we needed to move back to Hattiesburg and be closer to family and, and get get all the help we can get, which it's been life-changing having that, so no question. And so uh, I'm guessing like well, where we're sitting now at Slowpoke Forms and uh, the journey from the baby being born to now is uh, the tools and the knowledge that you picked up in Colorado kind of informed you to move in this direction. Yes, yes, and and on on top of that, just I mean, a, a immense amount of luck, you know. So I worked uh, the person who owned Southern Prohibition Brewing owned Slowpoke Farms, and I worked at Southern Prohibition about ten years ago, and so moving back here, I was working in finance, uh, and it, it was okay. I liked it enough, but um, I've always wanted to do something different that not everyone else has the ability to do when it comes to the profession. And I ran into the owner happenstance, uh, and he asked me if I wanted a job, and I just uh, assumed that he wanted me to bartend at the brewery, and I thought, well, I don't want to do that, but I'll meet with him anyway, you know. Met with him, and he was kind of just told me that he was opening up a mushroom farm, and the chances of uh, us having a connection from 10 years ago, the chances that I move a 1,000 miles away and just kind of naturally get into foraging and, and trying unsuccessfully to grow my own oyster mushrooms in Colorado, uh, it all just sort of fell into place seamlessly. You must um, have left a hell out. of an impression on him. I must have. Uh, I didn't think I would have, but I must have. So he... he um, Asked me to meet him, and I said I would, and, and didn't reach out, like I said, because I thought he wanted me to bartend, and I ran into him like two months later at the grocery store, and he was like, talk to me if you if you want a job. And I was like, oh, what, what have I got to lose? So I, I must have if he asked me a couple of times and didn't give up on me, you know. Mm -hmm. So, man, tell me a little bit about where we're sitting. What what, what are y'all doing here? What's, what's going on at Slowpoke? Slowpoke Farms is an indoor organic gourmet mushroom farm so when i say gourmet think oyster mushrooms think lion's mane maitake chestnut um typically what you you see on a grocery store shelf or in a restaurant kitchen is going to be a, a button mushroom a white mushroom a portobello mushroom so we'll differentiate ourselves from that by doing these other varieties that, that you see less often, uh, but we're, we're hoping to change that, obviously. We are one of the only 
indoor gourmet mushroom farms in the southeast operating at at such a large scale and so our thoughts on people in our area not seeing these mushrooms are are mostly because of lack of of access not lack of of demand and so we are working collectively to try to fill that gap in the marketplace of being able to provide high quality organic gourmet varieties of mushrooms to both restaurants and retail grocers throughout the southeast okay and what is what is your role here what 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 exactly do you do i do sales and marketing so uh, i mean the company's just getting off the ground so i do wear many hats um yes. i have done production i have done harvesting i've done more cleaning than i ever hoped to have to do um, this place so, is spick and span. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I am so impressed like with the walkthrough that you gave me. I'm glad you noticed. That's that's a point of pride for us. Uh, it is important also for uh, the USDA, obviously. So we, we, we keep it tidy here. I mean, the majority, maybe not the majority, but a, a, a large portion of what we do on a weekly basis is deep cleaning and detailing this place to make sure that there's there's no bacteria there's no anything that can compete with our mushrooms we want to give them a a pristine opportunity to grow and flourish yeah i mean not to speak outside of what i know but it seems like where mushrooms grow it's also typically where other things of that nature would typically thrive and so i the, the, the whole process especially of it being indoor i mean you you've really got to keep a tight ship we do we do we're we're creating a great environment for mushrooms to grow we're also creating a great environment for bacteria and mold and and other things that um you don't want to eat (laughs) you know so we've we've got to make sure that we're we're doing everything we can that that our inputs that we put into this process are as sterile and clean as possible so that the the mushrooms have nothing to compete with It's, it's just them yeah how long like from start to finish how long does a does the process take from uh spore to being ready to be sold to a a restaurant or or whomever may be interested about four to six weeks okay so it's a very quick turnaround time um and this obviously indoors so it's year round yes yes um it gets you know, swelteringly hot here over the summer. So, you know, we do have temperature controls, but we do have varieties and strains that like things a bit warmer and we have varieties and strains that like things a bit cooler. So we can tailor whatever strain we want to grow to the seasons, but we are growing these indoors in climate controlled rooms. So we may find over the summer a variety that likes to grow optimally between 65 and and 85 degrees and 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 we'll do that then and then over the winter we might find something that likes 45 to 65 Um, so we're we're able to give these mushrooms no matter what time of year exactly what they're looking for to be as pristine as possible tell me a little bit about the the clientele like of 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You can give like the local restaurants or um, maybe even a grocery store. Or where can people find slowpoke form goods? This is my favorite thing to talk about. Uh, we are in grocery stores throughout the Hattiesburg and Petal region. That's uh, five corner market locations. They have been a great partner with us. They're excited to see us get in the stores. They've been helping us get the word out tremendously. So for, for the retail customer, you can get them at corner market locations. Uh, if you are wanting someone else to cook them for you, you can get them at Big Trouble, which is a new restaurant here that's popped up in Hattiesburg. Off Hardy. Off Hardy, yep, yep. Um, they're, they're friends of ours, and they sell the absolute heck out of some mushrooms. So um, you can get them at Big Trouble. You can get them at The Depot, uh, which is one of the better breakfast places in town, if uh, my own personal opinion. And you can get them at Art of Rue. Uh, which is a Cajun place. Uh, they fry them up and put them on po' boys there, and it's absolutely Whoa. delicious. Very good. Very yeah, good stuff. I just stayed, and I'm getting hungry again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going to have to leave here and go uh, <laughs> go get a bite. Um, so that that's the places locally, and we have partnered with a produce distributor. Uh, they're called Capital City Produce. They have a location in Robertsdale, Alabama, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and they are helping us distribute these mushrooms from all of southern Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama, and the Panhandle of Florida. Okay. So they're getting them in uh, kitchens across the Gulf Coast region. Right on. And, I mean, just from the people who are getting them and using them, I'm, are they impressed? Are they happy with the product? Uh like from slowpoke to whatever they used to use. I mean, what what what's the hype? So, the yes. To answer your question directly, people have been giving us spectacular feedback. Um, most of the oyster mushrooms that people have access to now are have a have a few things working against them. And I don't I don't want to you know dog any any other companies or, or anyone else who's putting these out there, but. You're, you're getting them from one of two places. You're getting them from one to 2,000 miles away, or you're getting them from uh, an enormous factory farm. So there are a few things working against you there. You harvest something by the time it gets from you know Canada or California to Mississippi, 
who knows how long it's been. Uh, they've been jostled around in distribution, and they, they might be a little older. They might be a little banged up, possibly slightly past their prime. Uh, you get them from a factory farm who's putting out two, 300,000 pounds of mushrooms a month. When you scale up that big, the, the attention to detail and the care that you can provide... You're losing quality. You, you are, and, th- and there's no way around it. And so farms like that prioritize quantity over quality, which is not a bad thing. Uh, there's, there's a niche for, for everyone. Um, but what you get with Slowpoke Farms mushrooms is, is a small batch pristine product that for anyone in the southeast is is traveling at most like 500 miles to get there mm-hmm. so we've heard not only from the chefs that we're working with here but uh, also the produce distributors capital city uh no no negative feedback so far uh, knock on wood that we don't we don't have any come in right after i put this out there but we've had nothing but good feedback so far, which feels good. Right on. Just for those listening who, you know, maybe they do like a mushroom on a burger, or maybe it's a vegetarian or a vegan who is just looking for a meat alternative. What are some of the differences between, let's say, the oyster, the more gourmet mushroom, opposed to a portobello or, you know, maybe what you would typically buy just because of what you know at the store? So I would say probably the biggest difference is going to be uh, texture. So when you're looking at at a button mushroom or you're looking at a portobello mushroom, they're very plump mushrooms. They're large. Um, So you've got a good amount of chew to them, I guess I could say. When When it comes to oyster mushrooms, they are more delicate, less dense. Uh, you can lightly cook them to where there is a good amount of chew, a good amount of bite to them, or you can cook them well done and they will be like thin and crispy, uh, almost like a, a, akin to a piece of bacon sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be one of the bigger differences. Uh, then th- oyster mushrooms have a m- more mild flavor, uh, typically than portobellos so they almost provide like a a blank canvas um you say you do want to saute them up and and salt pepper and butter they're going to take on that flavor well and and keep it simple if you want to put it in a stir fry or in a pho or just any any type of cuisine italian it's going to to take on the flavor that you try to impart in it very well makes it very versatile because of that yeah man like i I like what y'all are doing here especially like with a more of a gourmet as people are looking for different outlets for their lifestyle maybe you know they're trying to not to eat as much meat or maybe just looking for a different alternative man and that was one reason i was really excited about coming here and being with you today is just to talk and just get the word out about hey like try mushroom like i mean like what's the pitch on that I eat more mushrooms. They're good for uh, you as an individual, your health. They are exceptionally easy on the planet as far as production. So 
they're uh, uh, an extraordinary source of protein, uh, vitamins, nutrients, and so they are, like you said, a very good substitute or an accompaniment to meat, but the inputs that we have to put into growing these mushrooms, uh, the energy used, the water, is minuscule compared to one other produce but a fraction of what is needed to grow a cow or a pig and slaughter it and get it to your table so if you are the type of person who is health conscious or or vegan vegetarian if you are the type of person that wants to try to prioritize sustainability and things that are easy on the planet to eat you rarely can do better than than eating a mushroom. Yeah, just during the tour, man, uh, that was one thing that I noticed in the language that you were using while you were walking me through the process was that was something that came on with sustainability and how uh, conscious y'all were of the environment and the future. Um, and shout out to that. And I mean, I mean, where does that heart come from? It's really cool. I, I love this component of the company because we all come at come at this for different reasons uh, but it's all kind of rooted in the fact that mushrooms are underappreciated understudied and have like a massive amount of potential to both provide nutrients for us and and be a healthy way to uh, healthy for the planet to feed a large amount of people so when i was in colorado i pursued a master's degree in environmental policy and management, mm-hmm. uh, completed that out there, and that paired with my foraging out in Colorado is what really drove me to, to know that, you know, mushrooms have this unique ability to, to help us fight things like food waste, climate change, um, and things of that nature. Then you take Hank who is our production manager. Uh, he is has a, a background in botany and brings his own love of sustainability and natural sciences from his botany background. Uh, and then Lauren, who is our lab manager, I'm going to get this wrong, but she is, has a master's in microbiology she was studying mushrooms uh, as part of her master's, and that's where the idea that how powerful mushrooms can be for, for both being healthy for people and for the planet. Um, and so we all, in different ways, kind of came to the same conclusion and then just happened to all come together and make this happen. So we all have different reasons for what got us interested in this, but it's all rooted in its own way in sustainability, natural sciences, earth sciences. Um, so it, that's kind of what drives the company forward is, is that. I want to plug this again at the end, but right now um, I'm in North Mississippi. And I know a lot of restaurant owners and people who are health conscious. If people want to get a hold of this product in North Mississippi, do they go to your website or how do they get in touch with y'all about getting some product? You can go to the website. That's going to be 
slowpokefarms.com. You can, my contact information is on there. You can email me directly. That's going to be colby at slowpokefarms.com. C-O-L-B-Y, by the way. C-O-L-B-Y at slowpokefarms.com. Farms, plural. Uh, those are going to be the two two ways to get in touch with me. And from there, we can talk about what it looks like getting mushrooms up to North Mississippi, um, maybe through a distributor, maybe through our refrigerated truck that we have out there. But the conversation would, would start with me. Is that something that y'all are interested in doing is expanding? Absolutely. Is, is that's on the table? Absolutely. Uh, we have a, a very large operation here. And my expectations are once we're, we're fully running 100% capacity here, I believe that you'll see these mushrooms from probably Texas to Georgia. Right on. And so, like, as far as output, how many pounds of oyster mushrooms do you think you'll be able to put out in a month time? Or what's the what's the process on the four to six weeks? Yep, four to six weeks. Once we are fully up and running, we will be growing anywhere between 15,000 and 20,000 pounds of mushrooms a month. Wow. Yeah. And so we're talking a tenth of, like, you know, not to throw shade, but like what we were talking earlier with these bigger distributors – we're doing a tenth of that and so quality will not go out of the window yes quality is what's going to set us apart we will never compete with the behemoths on price Uh, we just can't do it Um, so the alternative there is to provide a high quality product and stand by that so that's the quality will never go out the window Really cool thing about the quality as well. Something I didn't even know until I started working here was uh, Lauren, our lab manager, has the ability to clone mushrooms. So as time goes by, we see uh, a cluster that is just particularly beautiful, really resistant to temperature changes, um, has great taste, whatever it may be, extended shelf life. We have the ability to clone that mushroom. She can get it started in her lab, and then we can start bringing that clone into our grow rooms and have flushes that all are genetically identical to that particular one. So we're starting out with a high-quality product, and we have the ability to just make it better and better as time goes by. As, as people are curious about seeing what goes on here, uh, and you, you were so gracious to me to give me the tour, uh, is tours and things of that nature and just answering questions about what y'all have going on, is that something that y'all are typically very open to do on a somewhat daily basis, or what does that look like? Not really. And, and the reason for that is because we have to keep our facility as clean as we possibly can. Yeah, so um, not a lot of traffic. We don't have a lot of through traffic coming through. Um, what we've talked about doing is doing like a drone fly through or a video that we can put on our website uh, or that we can show people when they do come to visit here at the farm so that they can see what it looks like in there without having to actually go through. Um, so that's something that we're going to do. 
We do have the ability to give some tours. It is mostly on an as-needed basis or like small groups like me and you walking through. Uh, But there will come a time where we are inviting people to the farm to buy product directly from us, like a little pop-up market maybe once a month. And at that point, it's open to whoever wants to come. We'll ask questions, show them everything we can, possibly show them that video that I was talking with you about. Yeah, man, that would that would be great, I think. Uh, I work a lot of, of festivals with my buddy Munson Brothers. We do, we're an apothecary. We do beard oils, bombs, soap, lotions. And working these festivals, you know, uh, Hattiesburg. I mean, most mm-hmm. small towns in Mississippi or bigger towns have them as well. Mm-hmm. And, man, I think that would be great if y'all had some kind of a booth, just, like, maybe not, like, get your mushroom, get your, but, like, just to have a place set up, be like, hey, this is who we are, this is what we do. And just, like, being able to reach out to the community and be like, hey, this is what Slowpoke Forms is, this is, like, here we are. It's, it's, you got to get the word out and we're up to doing anything, you know, so these festivals being there, maybe just having a small sack that mushrooms are growing off of, because they're they're visually appealing produce, you know, so they, they definitely turn heads. They don't look yeah. like any other produce you can get, you know, so going to festivals, um, having possibly our own festival here sometime, doing tours, opening up the farm to selling direct to uh, the public, um, yeah, things really like, like that. that we're, farm to table aspect. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We're, 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 we're wanting to get in, in front of as many people as we possibly can and tell the story to anyone who's, who's willing to listen. I told you I'd talk with anyone with ears about uh, this mushroom farm, you know, yeah. so we're, we're definitely interested in getting out there in any way we can. Man, uh, I've got, I think, three more questions for you, but before that, have I missed anything? Is there anything else that you would like to go over that we didn't touch on? I've talked a lot about filling a gap in the marketplace and providing gourmet mushrooms to, you know, the Southeast. I've talked about our desire to be a responsible company and be good stewards to the planet. Uh, We also, one thing that's really important to us is being a good member of our community. Okay. And so we are working right now on some partnerships with food banks. Uh, we are giving some of our waste to a community garden for seniors. So you, you showed me some of that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So you know we're we're on top of everything else I've mentioned. We we just want people to know that we're here and we want to be a constructive contributing member of the Hattiesburg community. So if there's anything that anyone listening feels like we can step in and lend a hand or help out in any way, go through the same avenues that I mentioned earlier to buy mushrooms from us, website, emailing me. We're always happy to talk about you know how we can be a part of, of what's going on here in Hattiesburg and the surrounding area. Right on. Well, three questions walking out of the door, Kobe. What are you reading right now? I, gosh, what a nerdy plug. I'm reading a book called Mycelium Running, which is a book about mushrooms and how they can save the world. <laughs> so, perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah, perfect plug for that right now. All right. Uh, question two is uh, plug Slowpoke Forms, uh, the socials. You, you plug the website. 
of and just where can people find you? We are most active on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at slowpoke.farms. That's where we're most active. I don't judge me on it. I just got our Facebook going and it looks (laughs) really bad, but we are working on building out that Facebook as well because we have a lot of consumers and customers that that want us on there and want to be able to keep up there. So we're Slowpoke Farms. That is two words on Facebook. And we are Slowpoke Farms on TikTok. Uh, We do not have any videos on TikTok yet. Throughout the uh, course of 2024, we're going to be posting uh, demos, recipe demos there. Oh, cool. So that's, that's the main three social medias you can find us, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And then you've got our website that we mentioned earlier. And that's going to be it. That's how you find us on the, on the interwebs. Well, cool, man. Uh, well, question three, it'll be a twofer, is what, what are some of your favorite recipes with these oysters? What's some of your favorite things to do? So I'm, I'm all about keeping it easy. Uh, there's one where, I mean, it's simply salt, pepper, butter, garlic, and, and you saute it. And anybody with a kitchen can do it. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have no skills at all. Uh, when you, you're trying to cook the moisture out and you don't want to stir them around too much if you're looking for like a crust on there. So you may want to lay them down, cook them in, saute them in butter, leave them for a few minutes on medium-high heat, flip them over, cook them three or four minutes, and you've got a crust on each side, slightly chewy on the inside. So that, that's a simple one that literally anybody can do. Uh, but I, I like the um, Asian component <coughs> of it. So uh, sticky rice. You mentioned pho. A pho, yeah. Now, my wife's a what pho. What the pho? <laughs> she's, a, she's a pho gal. I'm not a pho guy. Um, but she, she likes it in pho. We, at, at the house, we do a sticky rice recipe where it's just sticky rice, um, teriyaki, sautéed, oyster mushrooms, little bit of green onion and a sprinkle of sesame seeds and i could eat that seven days a week you know Uh, so those those are the two that i plug every time but you can roast them you can grill them you can fry them you can steam them yeah i mean just whatever you right (laughs) (laughs) yeah you any application you can think of you can you can pretty much go in and, and cook them that way and that's that's a cool thing is um it doesn't matter if you are an expert level chef or if you, you know, microwave ramen. You, you can figure out a way to cook these things and make them taste good. So they're they're approachable and they're for all levels. Well, right on. What was your favorite part of this interview? My favorite part of this interview basically was just meeting you. Tisdale said I'd like you, and uh, definitely do. It's been nice nice chatting with you today. You are welcome. <laughs> my name is Tyler Tisdale from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. This is my new song, Holding Back Time, and this is Porch Talk. Steady as a string, flowing straight from my eyes as the colors turn from blues into gray. Here comes the sun, 
weight rises up high, pouring all the light back in my No, now I'm in war with myself I can't seem to find balance in the way No, why is it always the same I'm just foolishly holding back time Holding back time No one else can see They're all against me I can feel that shit Deep in my bones Well that's just all talk It ain't no one's fault All my heart is full Of nothing but love find balance in the way No, I, is it always the same I'm just foolishly holding back time holding back Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent. 
because you deserve to live your best life, and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply.